welcome to the next installment of the SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. That obviously means it's Thursday. Uh, let's. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and let's say hello and welcome to our co-host, Mr. Chili Willie Robinson. How's it going down there? Hello, Mr. Egan. Yeah, I'd like to say hello from the land of the frozen south, formerly known as the state of Texas. Yes, indeed. We are enjoying our uh, global warming stage right now. It's um, it's noon here in Central Texas and currently snowing for the fourth day. So that's not a no- normal occurrence for, for you and your part, right? Um, well, we I, in my lifetime, I have never, ever seen the temperature drop to two degrees, ever. <laughs> well... Maybe they could like truck in some hot air from Washington D.C. and warm Boy, things up a little bit. Some. Forced, forced air from uh, from D.C. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Got a little hot water would be great. So you're burning the chainsaw bears. Is that what's happening the, down there? Yeah, yeah, and you know we we really need to let uh, some of our viewers in on the joke about chainsaw bears because that seemed to be a fad. You know, about the turn of the century, you see people on the side of the road, and they they could make these sculptures out of logs. And, you know, most of them were the bears. So we always threatened that we were going to quit our regular jobs and go make chainsaw bears on the side of the road. Well, so, okay, yeah, we've made a few chainsaw bears and got some practice ones in, you know, just in case to build up our inventory to jump out there as entrepreneurs and Gosh, you know, here we are, we're, and now we're splitting them up and putting them in the fireplace just to stay warm. So, you know, I guess maybe something did come out of our, our little endeavor to make chainsaw bears, didn't it? I guess so. So, you know, it's funny, as I, earlier we were talking, and I was joking how Texas is trying to be California, and California is trying to be South Africa. And now, <laughs> you know, I remember the days when, you know, there weren't rolling blackouts, and there was plenty of power and water and everything. It was great. Had a good time. Watch TV and do all the normal things that we do in everyday life. So, whatever. You know, this too shall pass. That's my prediction. It shall. And, uh, it shall. It'll be hot this summer and uh, in Texas. You I'm know, people guessing. give us Texans, they're, they're giving us a hard time about being wussies on this thing and, you know, wimping out and all that good stuff. But you got to understand, this is exactly 100 degrees less than what we're used to. That's a lot. Well, and and the thing is, is if you've been without power, it's kind of interesting. It's a few years ago. I live in an uh, old home, and a few years ago, big storm blew down some tree, knocked out the power, and we were up without power for like three or four days. <clears throat> and people who are not used to that type of, uh, let's say, frontier living, um, you know, I remember my son was like, what did you guys do before there was power? I'm like, oh, you know, we, uh, let's see. Yeah, you know, we did all these guys. We we you know ride the horse around and all of this, and a whole bunch of other jokes. But of course, uh, you get used to these modern conveniences, and when they're gone, like heat and uh, you know water, running water. How's the running water down there? Uh, we have exactly zero running water at this point. Of course, uh, you know with the the not having any electricity, you can't run the pump. Pump won't pump water out of the ground, that sort of thing. And it's really odd when you walk up to the sink and you reflexively turn the handle and nothing comes out. It's always a shock. I know. It's like, what? 
It's the same thing when you go try and turn the TV on. What the is going on here? And all the other yep. things we've been accustomed to. You know, you people out there in the sticks, you probably don't know how to get on the Internet, especially now. Um, so you're oh, oh, my poor computer! Well, it's taking a beating every time we have the rolling blackout. Man, I'm, I'll be right in the middle of something. I've already lost one document, and I'm not risking it anymore. So, I, I just I've had to leave it off for the most part. But uh, that's really a culture shock for an alpha geek like me is not being able to have a computer. Yes. Well, I've become very Buddhist about uh, you know, let's say data and save things on the uh, on the computer. <laughs> Just got to yeah. let that shit go. Oh, sorry. Family chef. Watch the kids there. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah, and then so, you know, that also leads into other issues, too. And some of the stuff that we'll be talking about today is kind of interesting. And I guess, I don't know, you're probably not outside flying or doing anything. You know, people, like in, in episodes like this, people probably don't need rescuing. They're all like, oh, wait, you know, we'll just stay home and not do anything. And uh, we won't get ourselves into trouble. Is that usually what you find? Actually, uh, it's the ones that are more intrepid and think that I got this. And they'll go out. And uh, I, I will have to say that uh, my stepson and I, we're, we're kind of off-roaders. And I have mm. a you know 76 Jimmy, you know, long bed, four by four. And uh, we went out uh, Tuesday when it was the, the worst. And we ended up pulling a lot of people out of ditches and, you know, saying, God, take your little two wheel drive Tesla and, and go home because your battery's going to run out and uh, then you're really going to be stuck. So yeah, it, uh, it still happens. We still have people that get inadvertently lost because they get off, slide off into the ditch and it's snowing like heck. I almost said a bad word too. And then, uh, you know, they, they don't think to pack the extra water or the food or the blanket or anything like that. And then they, the last call on their, their cell phone is, you know, please come get us. So, yeah, it's still happens. Her posting on Twitter um, just before the phone goes out. No. No. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You'll have to send me a picture <laughs> of the rig here so at some point because I want to check that out. Um, but then, so... You know, today's show, I wanted to kind of do like a state of the drone union 2021 where we're at, you know, some perceptions, uh, views and, and, and commentary. And then also some of the stuff that uh, kind of would play into that with uh, what's in the news, you know, and, you know, things like RID and UTM and AAM, UAM uh, and some of the ancillary issues with that. So, you know, it's a, like every day it's in the news, the uh well, you know, as if I'm, I'm looking at the SUS news page right now, and, you know, all of those topics are on here. And, yep. um, you know, you see more and more news about RID, and, and people have been really trying to push it out. And, oh, it's a game changer. It's going to change everything. Oh, God, we're going to be flying over people and, you know, beyond visual line of sight. Uh, I, I personally don't feel this is going to change much. I also, well, I mean, I, you know, I'm going do you think so? I, I, I think I, I think there were some things that weren't well thought out. Uh, this is kind of like I'm sure you remember in, in the early days before we had 107 that we heard all sorts of horrific things that were going to happen. You know, like having to have your aircraft inspected by a certified A and P. And I'm still not saying that's off the table. That's that's going to come for type certification. I can assure you. But mm-hmm. I don't think that some of the stuff was thought completely through from a legal standpoint. 
I would say. I, I mean, I've I read it. Oh, I definitely agree. I mean, I, the idea whoa, that you're going to uh, be able to see the location of the pilot. I mean, you know, what about miners? Um, what about these situations? I, I, you know, I, I see this a lot, and I'm sure it's not just only in the drone thing, but I keep talking about these meetings, and, and, and I beat this drum, too, about being in the field. So when you're sitting in an air-conditioned office somewhere with a big whiteboard and everybody's, like, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall, and, hey, old guys are going to do good. That's great. But when you get out in the field or in the real world, it's a different story. And, it, you know, there's I don't know how many people I've talked to. I've been flying the drone. Somebody kind of figures out what they're doing, and then uh, they want to either fight or, you know, you're, or have this uh, philosophical discussion on how you're a pervert, you're peeping on me, and you're spying on me for the government, and, you know, right. so all this other tinfoil hat stuff while you're trying to uh, fly the plane. And um, so I don't, I don't think that's a good thing. And then the other things I don't like with it either, uh, you know, this uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth spoof hack. All these other problems, you know, it, I, I think, you know, as a government agency, you got to say, oh, well, look, we're proactive. We're doing something. But, uh, you know, I, the best laid plans of mice and men, I, I really don't think this is it. And I think that, you know, privacy, the operator, I think I'm not a cons- uh, constitutional lawyer, but I, I, I see uh, problems. And I don't think this is going to stand. And I also know that people are already gearing up uh, and to do discovery to uh, to, to sue and uh, strike this down. So I do not believe it will stand in its current form. Uh, that's being, I also do not believe it will lead to beyond visual line of sight flight. And I do not believe that it will lead to flying over people. Do you want to, I, I, and I said it, yeah, from before when this thing kicked off, you're going to have to have certified aircraft. And it is say you're going to have to have certified aircraft. And there's some other poison pills in there, like, you know, if it's not something that stock uh, came out of the, you know, OEM RID, then there's going to be limitations, and people should really be concerned about that because that's going to limit your choices in the future. So, you know, th- those uh, those are some of the misgivings that I have with it. Um, you know, we keep hearing, like, everything that gets done is, like, this big safety, like, you know, the safety of the NASA is hanging like a loose tooth. Oh, my God, the, the hobbyist, we need a test. You know, where's the test for the hobbyist? You know, have you heard anything about that? Remember, that was going to, you got however many months to get the test together, and you thought, you had guys selling us out to do the test for free, and we're going to do everything we can to help out, because we're, we're, you know, we love everybody, and altruism, and, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. Well, none of that really worked out, and I don't see a test. So was it really that well, dire? Hey, you know, I think they're probably kind of – and you got to look at it from a manned aviation standpoint because obviously that's where the FAA comes from. They have a, you know, man bias. And if you look at the uh, light sport aircraft industry, you know, for the longest time they didn't they, – they could not catch a break for any reason whatsoever. And then finally it, it – the, the dam kind of broke, and suddenly the weights started going up. You know, at first it had to be that you had to be able to carry it on your back before, you know, you could fly it without a license. And then, you know, they, they kind of lightened it up a little bit at a time until we get to the point today where, I mean, you can, you can fly a pretty dang nice aircraft that uh, falls under the weight limit and still not have to have a pilot's license and have all the certification done to it. So, you know, I, I think we're going to see the same thing. 
Yeah, well, you know, I think it's coming. It's just taking so long, you know. Uh, that's, that's the killer part of it. It has just been an interminable process to get through it so we can get on with it. Well, I, you know, this is one of the uh, the other issues that I have here, you know, and I was going to kind of talk about this under the supply chain thing and investment, whatever else, but... Uh, you know, the, the spaghetti gets thrown at the wall. We got the whiteboard. We're all working away. You got your uh, SME du jour, which is, you know, somebody who's got more VC capital uh, than, let's say, sense or understanding about how public policy works, aviation works, um, or the history of drones or whatever else. And they get in there and they're throwing ideas up there. Oh, God, that's great. And we run with that. And usually they're out of business before the thing hits the NPRM. And I think we're kind of here with this uh, now, the, the repeal of the Section 336. That, that was a total travesty. Um, you know, we've talked about this before. Your traditional RC hobby is uh, self-limiting, you know, as far as beyond visual line of sight is concerned. You get out of visual line of sight, crash, done, you're over. Um, the party's over. And it's been that way for the last 80, 90 years, whatever. Um, so I, I don't think, I think, you know, that, that those people got lumped in there so people could sell drones instead of the traditional RC hobby, which is fine. You know, you want to kill it, kill it. This other deal, you know, everybody's like, well, where's the MA, AMA? Well, aren't they going to do so? I think they're going to, they're, they're going right now for the mandated membership. Uh, that's the only play they've got left. They've been working that one for the last 12 or 13 years. And I can almost hear them chuckling now. No, no, you know, that's not what we were doing. That's exactly what they were doing. Um, and so, you know, you have to go out to one of, the, one of their fields, pay the 75 bucks a year, be a member, go out there, do the pecking order. And, and really, that was the whole electric revolution in the uh, park flyers thing, you remember? Is that you, you really didn't. Oh, yeah. You weren't flying a 40 or 60 size gas aircraft. You really didn't have to go to the AMA field. You could just go to the park. And uh, maybe, you know, it kind of collapsed under the weight of its own success. I don't know. However, uh, the going to a flying field in states that where land is very expensive. And then if I go out there, I mean, is it going to be ADA compliant? If I'm, you know, can I get out there? Is there a bathroom? I mean, you're, you're mandating that I have to go there. <laughs> I, it's just, you know, that's, I just don't think that's going to work. I, I really believe that there's going to be some problems with that. It's really it's just these kind of short-term Band-Aids um, that don't really come up with anything that's concise and workable, in my mind. Uh, and and that again, when, when that's been their MO from day one. I mean, that's the way they operate. It's kind of a reflexive knee-jerk deal, and you know, you have to go through that process of finding out what doesn't work. And you get people that, you know, give put up such a hue and cry over, you know, we can't we can't comply with this and, and keep the, the the drive alive or anything like that. And then the next thing you know, they come back and say, oh, okay, well we're gonna we're gonna pull that one back. You don't have to do that. And that's just the way it's been. Yeah, and it goes back to the you know, so this is years. I mean, you know, this has been going on for thirty years. Um, we've been at it for almost twenty years. Um, uh, yeah. and, and we've seen a lot of uh, stumbles, falls. You know, I, I posted a story over on LinkedIn from 2013 about, you know, and they were espousing how that the United States was the world leader in both military and commercial drones. And, you know, that was during the prohibition that we had. 
Um, and I don't even know if that was true at the time because that was uh, 2013 was the year the Phantom came out. And I would say it was probably on par with, with some of the 3D robotics stuff and some other things that people were making and the cobbled together mm-hmm. systems and whatnot. Um, yep. But it was starting to slip. And this, what, I, what I'm seeing here is uh, something where we're running on a 1950s or 60s model with the, uh, with the FAA. And what that's doing is it, it, there's, there's a repeating cycle that I'm seeing here, and it's, it's very troubling. And the cycle that we're seeing is we see people come up with new technology, and there was a company uh, posted this story over LinkedIn too, it's like Trafalgar or something, and they actually have this flying car, boats, flies and fly, and uh, drives and everything else. Been at it since 2009. They come out, they finally got certification. Okay, all these years later, finally got certification. New story comes out. They're laying off people. Chinese are buying them out. And this is a, a, a reoccurring story. If you look, Cirrus, you know, is another example that got uh, bought out uh, by, I, mean, I think it's AVIC, is, is the Chinese um, government aviation thing uh, is one of the major investors that bought them out. You know, Boeing has got deals with the Chinese. Uh, that they're, they've got factories over there uh, outfitting the, um, the, the, the cabins of, of these aircraft. So what's happening is, is we're seeing... Um, a situation where people come up with new technology, they try to refine it, then try to get it certified. It takes so long, they're bled white, they go out of business, and the Chinese swoop in and buy it. Um, and now, do I blame the Chinese? No, I don't blame the Chinese. That's, you know, hey, if you got a fire sale on technology, why not take it, right? It has to be foolish not to. It's like found money. But the disturbing trend is is that the FAA is, like I said, in this 50s mindset where, you know, maybe we, we had this, you know, 20, 30, 40-year lead in technology, and you could rest on your laurels and sit back and, you know, chew the fat around the cracker barrel and all the rest of that, and it really didn't matter. But I don't even believe, I still talk to people, and they believe the Chinese are still five to ten years behind us in technology and even um in code and whatnot, and I, I just don't, I don't believe that's true. I'd say they are, they're, they're on par in some places and ahead of us in some places, um, and and they're using this uh, this to their advantage, this this uh, the certification and and regulatory, let's say, stumbling blocks. Do you agree or disagree with that, Gene? Well, yeah, I mean, for for communists, they make awfully good capitalists. You know, um, that's the thing that has always impressed me with their ability to to be very shrewd in, in business terms. And uh, oh, they've done that very well. Yeah, no, they're, they're, uh, uh, they're, they're, you know, long-term thinkers and they're very strategic. Um, they're, they're, they're sharp. I mean, I, I've been there. You've been there. They're not, yeah, they're not over there. there horsing around, you know? Well, yeah. Now I will say that, uh, you know, in some of the, the finer sciences, if you will, aviation sciences that we deal with, that that's true. But having seen some of the manufacturing processes and the quality control that goes into them, I'd say they got a long way to go there, which is to our advantage. And, and we've seen some of that even in the full-scale aircraft that they produced. But, uh, you know, you're right. Uh, they, they, they do well, and, and if they see something they want, if they can't buy it, they steal it. I'm, I know that's probably a politically incorrect thing to say, but, you know, there is such a thing as Chinese espionage, and we see it happening all the time. And uh, it is something that you know, that could be a solution to one of the, the problems that we're looking at is to better protect our technology. 
But, I mean, what else are you going to do? Okay, aside from the fact that the FAA is stuck in a 1950s mode and we're, we're kind of going on that resting on your laurels kind of deal that you can't, you can't do anymore. So, I mean, it's going to be the thing that you're going to have to be agile. You're going to have to be secretive. You're going to have to protect your stuff until it's, it's, uh, it's fully matured. So, I mean, what are the other solutions that we, we could, as we, as observers that we've seen over the last, you know, almost 20 years, two decades of watching this go, what could we say? What could we do to, to promote and to get us back in the game again? Well, I got nothing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know that's wrong. That's uh, just all complaining over here and, uh, Forget about it. Now, I do, uh, you know, I want to say, talk about like SpaceX, okay? And uh, Elon Musk was telling the FAA, hey, uh, you know, your, your, your process is screwed up. And I do agree with that. Although I will say he's running out of goodwill with all of the rockets, let's say, failing. Um, I, I, I do have to say, though, to people that look, landing rockets full of fuel, I mean, that's basically a, a huge bomb, uh, is very hard to do. So sure. I don't think we should be discounting the difficulty um, of what, what, what they're trying to do. Very hard. Um, so that's, that's one thing. But, um, you know, he's running out of goodwill on that. And I'm not saying that you got to take all of the restraints off. You know, we can, there is a thing that's called compromise and happy medium. But I do believe that, you know, again, if, if you had five or so SMEs in a room, He's okay. Let's look at this thing objectively, like the the RC hobby thing. Okay, uh, you know, uh, such and such a weight, which we've uh, actually done scientific um, work on with NASA. You know, like we talked about during the uh, small UAS arc, yada yada yada. Uh, we should be able to fly these things in the park. Visual line of sight, no autonomous aids. Hey, okay, you know, this is a whole different kettle of fish. Um, and there has been a, an argument going back and forth where the, the DOD vendors were like, well, come the hobby guys can do this. Totally different, uh, even though they share a lot of the same similarities in equipment and all the rest of that. It's two, two totally different kettles of fish. One is a, you know, one that's one visual line of sight with no autonomous aids and cameras and all the rest of that stuff. And then another one that's got secure comm links, cameras, you know, uh, autopilot, software, yada, yada. You know, one's you know, $100 and the other one's $100,000. It's, it's really an apples and oranges comparison. But, the, you know, you, you go and you tell your lobbyist to go talk to Congress and they beat that drum. It's the same as a, a, a hobby aircraft and nobody knows. So that's not really true. So before they come down and do these draconian things, you really have to do real science and not that Assure crap that's, you know, everyone assures me that the Assure stuff is not peer reviewable not real science. When you talk to scientists, they're like, that's not real science. I also got into it with somebody from um, MITRE on LinkedIn when I suggested that uh, MITRE will not bite the hand that feeds it with the FAA. And uh, the guy accused me of getting, I was hyperventilating and whatever else, didn't know what I was talking about. And I had to give him some examples like the report that was ginned up for, for registration and the 250 grams. I know you're the outdoorsy type and, you know, anywhere from like one to, you know, two, three grams of lead um, traveling at a certain velocity can be deadly. And the idea that, this you know, true. shrapnel, you know, and 
And projectiles and whatnot from explosions. Yeah, anything from that could be deadly. Um, but that's not a drone. A drone's frangible by and large. Uh, lead, steel, shrapnel is not. So that, as far as I was concerned, that's all junk science. Um, and then even the people that might are hired to be their uh, UAS experts had no experience whatsoever and had a bias against the technology. So <clears throat> that, again, is part of the open process. So you got to have the two-way street, the open process, some real science. Cracks me up. Everybody talks about science all the time. I don't think anybody really – well, I'm not going to say that anybody knows what science really is, but I, I don't think that the general public has a grasp on what science really is besides – Science and science knows everything, and it's just not true. Um, but there is a scientific method you could use that we should be using it, and, and I think you could do that. The other thing is relying on UTM. Uh, I think that that's folly. There are places where beyond visual line of sight could be done today, but you, you agree with that, don't you, or you do disagree? Absolutely. Out here where I live, there, you know, I could probably fly 14 miles and not pass over a house. Okay, so, yes. or people on the ground, that. and then you probably have limited, I'm going to assume you have limited air traffic. You're a pilot, so you, you yep. could. Uh, yep, So, I, yeah, again, you know, you do the weight kinetic energy testing. Hey, I got this. It can fly this far, blah, 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 do all this. You can actually sit down and uh, use a scientific method and, you know, calculate if this is safe or unsafe. And and so, so another thing that happens when you have the people in here that are in SMEs to get in there, and I and I, again, look back at the UTM thing, when that, that kickoff workshop, the people that were sitting in the room, they're not really operators. Nobody really understood this. So it's like uh, you're trying to think about how your company is going to make money on a UTM system that you have no idea what it needs to be, how big it needs to be, where it needs to be, certification process, how it's going to be run, blah, blah, blah. No idea on that. You're saying, well, we got to UTM everything. Well, do we? There's, I'm sure there's a threshold which under we don't need to UTM, and it can be flown in certain places. So we should be flying beyond visual line of sight now. There are applications where we could do it. Is it going to be totally 100 and you know, 10 to the minus 9 safe? No, but neither is LSA. Neither is, you know, uh, part 91 or, you know, no, neither is all of these things. Nothing is absolute safe. So uh, I think we need to keep that into consideration when we're designing this UTM system. And I, and I, I think there's a giant donut hole, more hole than donut in the UTM thing, because nobody really knows how much this is going to cost. And then you saw the uproar when the, AirMap was like, oh, you know, this is going to be income streams for governments to collect fees for landing fees and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you, you remember that uproar, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, you know, most people uh, believe that all this stuff is supposed to be free. No, that's not happening. Not in my that's life. True. I've never seen uh, free stuff from the government. Well, <laughs> no, they're here to help. That's that's their deal. They're they're we're from the government. We're here to help, and we know how that goes. But uh, you know, again, one of the things that you're talking about is the monetization. Everything that goes in the United States is monetized, right? B two B, you know, back in the day, you know, when they were pushing the internet, B two B and stuff like that, and it exploded. And you have Mark Cuban out there who now has uh, you know political clout because he bought a basketball team on his Air B two B business, and you know that's going to have to happen. I mean, you, you're going to have to be able to, to 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 show a path 
that leads to some marketability or some sort of way to to make some money at it, right? I mean, that's what, mm. that's the way we work. Uh, you know, the, one of the things that that I saw a very long time ago is uh, someone proposed the Victor Airwave model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're a man pilot, you know that there are Victor Airways up there that uh, they're basically highways in the sky. They're designated. Uh, you know, if you're a little puddle jump pilot like me, stay out of them because the big guys are blasting through them. And uh, uh, I don't need, I don't see why that couldn't be proposed as a, a method to get line of sight because when we do our tactical flights for public safety, we're not supposed to fly over streets and roads and stuff like that where there's traffic, but there are ways to do it. You can, you can minimize your exposure over those things by flying over buildings. Yeah. You might not, might knock a dent and you know, somebody's tile roof, but you're still not going to hurt anybody by flying over houses and buildings and things like that. So it's workable and you reduce and you mitigate the risk and you still get some some good, as far as I'm concerned, some BD loss pathways there. What do you uh, think? Yeah, no. yeah, there's definitely solutions. And even the unmanned people should understand the, the Victor Airways because some of those questions are on the on the test. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, there there that's what I'm saying. There are ways, there are workarounds, and uh, there's ways to do this together. Uh-oh, looks like we got a caller. No. All right. Oh, yeah, this could always be dicey. Okay, caller, you're on. Who is this? Hi, uh, just came across your show. My name is Hugh. I'm calling from Virginia. I'm a global visionary. Actually, uh, all these technologies can be used for good or bad. So I'm very concerned with the chaos currently and the stuff with all the incidents on the streets where they're looking to defund the police uh, in the future we might have police in bunkers having drones with cameras and lasers taking care of problems i don't want to see that happening so i have strategies that actually can root out corruption and go into every area follow the money trails back and force the evil ones to change their ways and be dealt with legally i'd be happy to work with you in that regard if you have any interest in learning more about creative utilization of information well you know let's let's unpack what you got here you know i mean the first one you know with the bunkers and the lasers and the, the drones uh you know maybe someday that could happen um i think we're kind of a, a little ways away from that um i mean you know Police have had helicopters for years. You can't arm the helicopters. I doubt they're going to be able to arm the drones. Um, there are checks and balances in place uh, where I don't know that that will be an eventuality. I don't, I don't think that the public would go for that. They're hardly going for uh, most police departments using drones now. Uh, there's privacy concerns. What, what have you seen, Gene? Well, and another thing is the program where the the uh, public safety got the uh, the military surplus, even if it was something as as benign benign as a you know a deuce and a half. Uh, there was some concern about militarization of the of the uh, the police as well, which again I don't think that they're going to go for it. I, I will agree with the caller to a certain extent. Never say never. Uh, and, you know, if, if you can figure out a way to, to root out the corruption and some of the, the, the causation of some of the, the places that we're going, man, I, I'd say more power to you. But I, I don't 
I don't know how far you're going to get with that one, convincing people that there are, you know, certain corruptions. Yeah, and I'm not going to say that there's any agency out there that that in particular that is corrupt, but I think that the the FAA and again I'm not saying they are, but the FAA and their MO, their modus operandi, is uh, to say no first, and it's that's been the status quo, and it's been easy for them to justify it through safety, and whether that kills an industry or not is you know immaterial. And here we sit, well behind the curve of uh, uh, foreign governments who are funding and, and producing aircraft, drone aircraft that uh, are very capable. There you go. Well, That's my kind of take on it. And, and Hugh, it's an interesting con- uh, concept. So if, I'm going to ask you because I, I wanted to cover a couple more points in this episode. So if you could email me some of the stuff that you yeah, have. I don't do can... that, but if I could just share my name as a YouTube well, as a YouTube interview I did with a friend who's a cybersecurity expert, I think you might find very interesting because I am also a former whistleblower. And back in 1983, I was written up in a front-page Wall Street Journal article that triggered an investigation that eventually caused the resignation of Jim Wright from Speaker of the House in shame. All right. Well, go ahead. Give us uh, give us. Yes, yeah, so if you know, just go on YouTube and put uh, Dave D A V E interviews Hugh H U G H Charlson T like Tom R A U L S like Sam E like Edward and like Nancy. I thank you so much for taking my call. I'll continue listening. Very insightful and interesting program. All right. Well, thanks for the the the, the call, Hugh, and uh, I'll check it out. Thank you. Okay, so uh, interesting, uh, you know, where people are thinking this stuff is going to go. I mean, like you said, Gene, never say never, but I hope not. Cause, uh, and, you know, we're not the only ones, Patrick. We're not the only visionaries out there that see things happen. And there are folks out there that, I mean, you don't you don't have to be a rocket surgeon to see that something just ain't right. Yeah, well, that's true. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to get into, and you kind of touched on it, and you were, like, talking about uh, foreign governments and whatever investing in this, and I wanted to talk about the supply chain. I feel calls from people all the time. You probably feel calls. I mean, if I got – all, all the people text me, call me, email me, things, warts, bumps in this industry that they, they you know, that obviously, like, they're like, hey, he's an idiot. He'll get on Twitter and mention this. <laughs> And uh, so they send it on. And I do. Some of that stuff, it's like uh, I tell people, like, if, if somebody's got to speak up, somebody's got to speak up or it's just going to they're saying there's no uh, resistance. We just do whatever we want to do. And I want to talk, you know, I was talking a little bit earlier about, you know, this model that we're finding that people are coming up with technology and it takes them 10, 12, 13, 15 years to certify it. And uh, they ran out of money and got get bought out. We talked about that. So. One thing I will say on a positive note is that people are starting to wake up to that. People are starting to understand, hey, wait a minute, something's wrong here. And you do have groups like this AFWorks thing uh, are saying, hey, we've got to, uh, you know, fund some of this domestic technology. Uh, and, and I have been beating up on them because I don't believe that a $100,000 SBIR grant or even a $500,000 SBIR grant is going to put you in competition with state-sponsored um, funding from, let's say, the Chinese government 
and and you know what uh, companies like DJI have gotten, and then even eHang, you know. This is a, another thing that I'm noticing is that the Chinese government, you know, you, you have these different technologies. They seem to pick a winner and pump it full of money. And um, we are seeing, you know, there's a story in the news about eHang, and I'm not beating up on eHang, but another company went in and kind of dug through the financials and whatever else and, and what they were doing, and they're saying there could be issues there. I've heard that there was, you know, that there were uh, – I, I can't substantiate them or, you know, it's, it's purported, but, you know, crashes in China. Uh, Singapore pulled their, their uh, flying ticket because they didn't wait to get the, the certification to fly and things like that. So we're not getting the whole story. And then they're, you know, they're on the stock market and you can buy stocks and things like that. But I, I have to assume uh, they're getting funding from somewhere. There was another uh, AAM company that uh, had a, a letter of intent from United to buy 200 aircraft. They have to be certified, uh, things like that. And then the aircraft, you know, the, these aircraft only have a 60-mile I think it's a 60-mile uh, range, you know? And then uh, my thing, you know, what, what about the reserve? Don't you have to have, to have like, a 25% fuel reserve? Yes, you know? yeah. Well, most, uh, yeah, most uh, manned aviation requires that you have a reserve. Yeah, so, you know, you can do the math on that one real quick. I mean, are, are you going to be shelling out three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 a copy on an aircraft that can only, you know, fly – you know, I don't know, 40 miles. And then what if, you know, you, you see these, ah, oh, we're going to be flying in uh, Southern California, you know, and there's lots of airplanes. Oh, hey, you got to hold because we got aircraft coming in here. How long are you going to be able to hold? You know, not, not <laughs> no, long. I'll give you three minutes, buddy. Yeah, exactly. So that's not, uh, I don't, I don't think that those, uh, again, like the reality thing has been looked at, um, and people are, hey, uh, okay. Yeah. So, so one of the solutions that we could throw out there, and again, this is a never say never situation, but if the United States, with their superior R and D and everything, the scientists that we have here, if we came up with unobtainium, okay, and that was the, it, it would repel gravity, and uh, we could build aircraft out of un, unobtainium, and they wouldn't require any any propulsion, real propulsion systems at all. Would that be a solution? I mean, would, would the, I mean, is yeah, that well, the only uh, thing out well, there that is going to get us out of this? No, and I do not believe that's one thing, too, is I think people think, oh, yeah, you're poo-pooing the AMA or uh, AAM or UAM, and I'm not poo-pooing. Because, you know, you got to remember, this country, we put people on the moon and brought them back, and that was, you know, decades ago. So I do believe the technology is here, the brain power is here, we can do it. What's missing is the investment. And I think that between the investment and the regulatory part of it, things are broken. And the investment thing we keep hearing from the VC, you know, everybody's looking for hockey sticks. Um, hockey sticks don't really come along so much in uh, hardware. And nobody wants to invest in hardware. And even the AppWorks thing, you had people on there, they had VC people on there, and they said, we're looking for hockey sticks. So I don't know if it's a greed thing. Uh, somebody else called me and said, you know, maybe we need some sort of system where people could invest in bonds or types of bonds for different technologies. And, you know, it sounds altruistic to me and something that needs to be done. I, I think it's, uh, you know, part of it is greed and part of the way that business is done now. And we saw this happen to Remington. 
We're seeing it happen to the car manufacturers where they just want to wring every last dollar out of uh, a company and the quality starts to tank. You know, there's no, I guess people's names aren't on it or whatever. So the quality's not there. The product uh, quality starts to die, but they still want top dollar for it. I mean, have you seen that in anything that you're buying? Of course. And then you, then you're back to accountability, (laughs) you know, and we, we have always said that, you know, everyone needs to be accountable for the actions and that sort of thing. And that's what makes responsible pilots and operators this, but that seems to have gone away and it, it seems to be endemic. So this is kind of a, I, I'm making a, a global statement here about uh, the accountability issues that we've been having in the United States. And, and it is part and parcel for the problem. Well, you know, I mean, you probably, you're old enough to remember this too. And I think people that they don't even consider this, but back in the seventies and eighties, like people owned this stuff. You know, the guy's name was on it. You know, you could call the guy, you know, it reminds the story of uh, evil Knievel calling the guy that owns Caesar's palace. Got him on the blower, you know, Hey man, uh, I'm going to come over there and jump your fountain or whatever. So there were actually people whose name was on the business, you know, and they cared about their reputation they cared about the company. They cared. That's changed. And I don't have work saying, I think it's a good effort. I, I've, you know, I've tried to be in contact with the people. I, I know they know who I am. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of suspect to that whole thing. And I'm, I'm almost uh, how the ducks thing. I was very uh, bullish on the ducks thing. When Ash Carter rolled that out, I tried to get into one of the meetings. I had connections all nine yards. They were, Oh, this was a, it was already a pre, you know, screened guest list, and you had to be friends of the secretary to get in good old boy stuff. The AFWorks thing, I'm not sure if they're just trying to find technology, if they're trying to, you know, it's a psyops deal, like we're doing something, if they're trying to, you know, root out the Chinese that are investing in the technology or who, you know, who's doing what. I'm not quite sure, but the $100,000 SBIR thing is not going to get it. You are not you're not going to compete against a drone company that's got $1.6 billion of investment. It's just not happening. And there are a lot of people out there that have good technology, um, but even the FBO process, the DOD is totally broken. Wrong people are gatekeeping that deal. So uh, I don't know if it's Peter principle or, or just how, you know, dumb luck, how it fell together. I, but I, I just see impediments and not, um, let's say, gateways. What, what do you think? Well, sure. And, and, you know, we've spent years identifying problems. And that's there's certainly plenty of broken systems out there. So what is the solution? Uh, how do we get those systems fixed or unbroken or, you know, at least repaired to where they're better? I mean, that, I, I think that's the $64,000 question. Is is what's the solution to those very small things? They're they're not insurmountable. That they're some of them are, and we've got to work pretty hard to get around some of the things because they're stuck in a paradigm. They've been that way forever, and we got to to get them out. So, yeah, well, yeah. do we need an Elon Musk, or do we need uh, some sort of uh, you know Carnegie type situation to get us uh, off of that that little hamster wheel that we're on or just uh, what exactly can we point to and say, yeah, we, we can make a difference here. 
Well, I think the Elon Musk model is a good one. And like I said, I mean, he's running out of goodwill with the, uh, let's say, failures. But again, that's hard. Um, I will say, you know, there needs to be some real advocacy. I don't see, you know, there's never been any real advocacy. And a lot of people have the uh, notion that they're just going to pull the ladder up when they make it. Um, I, I do see some of that changing. I think that some of some of segments of the industry are going to push back. Finally, finally push back. Um, but it takes money. Uh, I will say that uh, you know I've been starting to ask people for money for advocacy reasons. There has to be some resistance. You can't just like you know take the laydown on the deal and think it's going to get better because uh, it's just not going to happen. People are going to take advantage, but you have to realize too that like companies like Amazon and Google, I mean, these people have spent a lot of money on these different endeavors and they've got nowhere. And, and it's not, you know, because they haven't spent the money. It's just kind of, I think it's been kind of in the wrong place and the efforts have been in the wrong place. And then also they say that most people believe that they're ulterior motives, agree or disagree. Well, I, I will <laughs> I will agree with you 100% on that. And we have been suspicious of the very same thing. So what we're looking at is – or what we need is we need to find us an industry champion. And I know well, the people that, are know, afraid. I tried to, and I, well, you know, maybe we need to, to put the, the, the call out for that one brave soul who is uh, – Willing to live the joke of of, of how to win or, or how to uh, make a small fortune in the in the drone industry is to start off with a large fortune and uh, see if we can get some of these things turned around. Well, I see it as a patriotic thing. I, I, I definitely am starting to see. I mean, I would call the aerospace industry a key industry for a country who wants to be a world leader. And as we see this, I mean, I think we can use it as an example. As we see this slip, um, you know, um, you're going to see, and I'm not saying that we have to be dominant. You know, I think it's going to have, people are going to have to decide, you know, what, what, I'm sure there's plenty of people that think, oh, you know, the Americans are bastards or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a little leery of the, the whole communist thing. You know, as far as, as someone with their hand on the tiller of the world or whatever. And I'm not saying that we can't share and we can't be a team and we can't work together. But if you don't have uh, an aerospace system, including space and yes. aircraft and technology on all of the ancillary technologies that go with it, you're going to be in trouble. And if people really sat down and analyzed what's going on in the, the Chinese aerospace industry and the aerospace market in China, I think they'd be mm-hmm. shocked. Even even how many cars the Chinese are building. Japan is number three now in uh, car manufacturing. So things are changing. Um, this this is where a lot of the high tech comes from. Uh, you know, it, it's hard for to rely on Congress. I, I am going to make a few calls to talk to some people in Congress, but. They're so spread out, and there's so many different issues. It's hard for them to understand what you're talking about. That's one other thing I want to do is do some fact sheets. Say, hey, you know, we got to distill down to one pager. Here's what the issues are, and then here's what the solutions are. Uh, so there are there is that. I think that uh, people that are sitting by the sidelines are kind of deluding themselves that this thing is going to fix itself. And, and I'm going to use the examples of airware. I'm going to use the example of um, what's the, that GE effort that GE-UTM effort that just folded. I'm also going to use the uh, the other one with Trimble. Got out of drones. I mean, these are 
big companies, lots of money, you know, uh, lots of investment, lots of horsepower. I mean, at some point, somebody had to run the analysis and go, look, this, this isn't working itself out, and common sense is not prevailing here. So, you know, we'll just cut our losses at $150 million or whatever it is, and we're gone. You know, uh, that doesn't make sense to me. That makes sense to you? No, no. It, it, there should be something that we can do to make this thing sustainable and a viable industry like the golden age of aviation was. I mean, it, sure, there were struggles, but uh, it was a thriving industry for a long time. And uh, I think that's what we want to see. Well, there was a large investment in it. You know, I mean, uh, most of the uh, municipal airports that are out here are not making money for the municipalities that they're in anymore. Um, people don't uh, fly as much as they used to. And there's a lot of cost and regulation and things like that. But there were yeah, incentives and programs to uh, fly. I mean, you know, when I was in high school, the year I got there, you know, they had a we, we had a plane. The school owned a plane. And you could get your pilot's license, you know. Uh, yeah. Now you can't even get your driver's license at school. So it's an investment that needs to be made. And, it, and, and it's not only an investment in, in money, but also in thinking. And I definitely uh, do not see that same style of thinking that you had in, uh, you know, so maybe you have the regulatory things from the 50s and 60s, but you do not have the spirit of innovation that you had uh, in self-reliance that you had in this country, where people wanted to do things for the betterment of the country. I, I, don't, I don't really see that anymore. You're an old yeah. timer. You know, would you agree or disagree with that? No, don't, don't, don't get me going, Sonny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's just the, kind of the way it is. There used to be people that wanted to, uh, you know, do things for the, the bigger picture, you know, or uh, different goals. I mean, you know, going back to the moonshot, that took a whole country, you know, uh, lining up behind a concept. They threw money at it, and it happened. Um, yep. You know. So, I mean, it's not impossible. It could be done, and I believe we can do it here. It's just a matter of will and money, and uh, we could do that. So, you're right. So, I know there are companies that are interested in this um, this technology that have a lot of money uh, that could, you know, write checks and uh, help do something. I, I probably, I would say one of the – there are two things that are stoppers, and one of them is people are afraid of angering the FAA, which I'm not because, uh, you know, they already took everything from me. So. <laughs> Nothing left yeah. to lose. And then the <laughs> other one is they're falsely under the uh, the notion that this is just going to common sense will prevail. They'll work them. They'll work. Uh, it'll work itself out. Um, or three, you know, we just have enough money that we can just sit here and wait for, you know, if it takes ten years, we'll we'll be here. You know, so and there may be other yeah. mindsets. I don't know. Am I missing anything? It, not me, brother. I, you know, I'm at the point where I don't even buy green bananas anymore. So, you know, I, something needs to happen here pretty quick. Well, that's uh, that's my thinking. Or, you know, you'll just kind of give the whole thing away. And even this UAM AM thing, uh, by time, you know, everybody's kind of waiting, sitting back and waiting for standards to realize <laughs> uh, before they start manufacturing. You know, what are you going to say? Oh, we got tank. oh, hey, we got these standards eight years from now. All right, good. All right, let's go. Let's start making parts and pieces that are actually already obsolete. You know, you're you're not going to win. Yep. You're not going to win that game. So yes. 
uh, the thing needs to be changed, and uh, you know maybe I, I don't know how you we need a champion. Oh, we need a cha- we need some money. Got to go talk to people. We need a champion yeah. with some money. How about that? All right, that sounds good. I would be great. The Elon Musk thing would be great. You know, he he has the ear of a lot of people. A lot of people trust him. Um, he's doing good things. I did sign up for uh, what was that at uh, the internet service. Sparknet or whatever the hell he's got going, and then uh, the rocket blew up and all the satellites got blown up. So looks like I'll be uh, hanging with Comcast for a little bit longer. <laughs> you know? But whatever, I'm, I you know I'm all in. I want it too. But anyway, all right. Well, it was good talk and good views, and you know we did offer some solutions. Are anything in closing? We covered a lot of real estate. Anything that you would like to mention in, in closing? Uh, yeah, I, I think this global warming thing is all hype. <laughs> and that's from personal experience. <laughs> that's from up close personal. It is still snowing in central Texas, and it is 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Give me a break. Uh, maybe it's just that's why they think they changed it to climate change. Because you remember, you remember in the 70s, and I know we're getting off on another one here, but I remember <laughs> Leonard Nimoy did this science show, and they were talking about how there was going to be an ice age, and we were all going to die because the world was going to get cold, and, you know, they couldn't grow food and all the rest of that. It was coming. It's going to be here. And then well, like global warming, and how it's cooling. Yeah, Spock may have been right. I have been right. Uh, well, maybe he was. Live long and be cold. <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, okay. Well, that was an interesting conversation, and um, you know, we'll uh, we were dark last week. We'll see what we can get going uh, next week. Hopefully, you'll have the power. will come back on, and you'll have some uh, good stories to regale us with uh, next week. Well, here's hoping. All right. Well, then see you next time. See you, Patrick. Bye.